0: Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Hi, everybody. I hope this week you'll check out We Found Time, my new online magazine, where we have essays this week by best-selling author Jill Santapolo, who wrote the, the Light We Lost. It's about her working out. V.C. Chickering, Allison Kane, Melissa Schultz, and Ashley Prentice Norton, um, who wrote The Chocolate Money, which I loved. They have written five amazing, beautiful essays, and you should go check them out at wefoundtime.com. This week's sponsor I'm really excited about is Peeled Snacks. And I've been buying Peeled Snacks for a long time, so I'm super excited they want to be a sponsor. My particular favorites are the apple gently dried fruits. But I'm also now obsessed with the salty snacks they have, particularly um, the baked pea crisps in sea salt flavor, which are delicious and amazing to have stocked now in the midst of this pandemic because they're healthy and um. I don't feel guilty giving them to the kids. Uh, the fruits, too, are made with no added sugars, so that also makes me feel good since I alternate those with Fruit Loops. Anyway, Peeled Snacks is giving my listeners, that means you, a discount code of 15% off the entire purchase for just this week. And the discount code is capital Z for Zibby 15 So go to Peeled Snacks, Zibby 15 you get 15% off, Stuck up on some of these awesome, healthy dried fruits and salty snacks. By the way, the baked pea, pea puffs with butter and sea salt are also really awesome. Um, so you'll know what I'm snacking on, and we can snack together. Thanks so much to Field Snacks for being a sponsor. I'm talking today to Margarita Montemore, who's the author of Una Out of Order, a Good Morning America book club pick and a USA Today bestseller. Her previous book is Asleep from Day. She has a BFA in creative writing from Emerson College and worked for a decade in publishing and social media before writing full-time. Born in Soviet Ukraine and raised in Brooklyn, she currently lives in New Jersey with her husband and their dog. Welcome, Margarita. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really
3: excited to be part of your podcast.
0: (laughs) Okay, Una, out of order. I already told you how much I just loved this book. So original, so interesting and captivating. How did you come up? First of all, tell... Listeners who may not know what this book is about,
3: please. First of all, thank you so much for all your, your kind words. The book is about a young woman named Una. The story starts out with her in 1982 on uh, New Year's Eve. She is about to turn 19, kind of facing this crossroads in her life. And when the clock strikes midnight, she passes out and wakes up in 2015 in her 51-year-old body, still a young woman on the inside. So, you know, she's 19 now, but all of a sudden she has traveled in time decades to inhabit her older body. And she discovers that every year the same thing is going to happen to her where she's going to leap into her body at a different age, uh, thereby living her adult life out of order. And yeah, it's a a pretty wild concept. The origins were kind of, it came out of me being in my late thirties and having those similar moments where I kind of I didn't know what what is this thirty something year old supposed to feel like, you know, I'm approaching 40, like and I still sometimes wake up feeling like I'm 19 on the inside. Other days I wake up feeling like a way old lady on the inside. And that jarring feeling of, you know, wondering what does it mean to to be your age, to feel your age? And what are you supposed to have done with your life? And it kind of got me thinking, and then in the back of my head, along with all of the pop culture influences that I grew up on, all of the time travel books and stories and movies and shows that I inhaled kind of my entire life. Just one day I was kind of brainstorming, talking to my husband and just bouncing ideas off of him. And then it like in a flash, I was like, What about a woman who lived her adult life out of order? And like, both of us just kind of sat up, and, like, as soon as I had that, like, pitch of, like, every year, she's a different age, and uh, we were, like, yep, that's it, and the title came just instantly after that, and I I knew, like, that's it, that's the next thing that I have to write. And
0: did you know Una's name from
3: the beginning? Yes, something about, because as soon as I had Out of Order, I love alliteration, so Una just came smoothly after. I don't remember if I referred to, I have, like, a little spreadsheet where anytime I come across a name I really like, I'll just add it to the spreadsheet. And I have like first names, last names, unisex names, and just anything that catches my eye. And I don't remember if I referred to it or if I just was like, nope, it's got to be Una because I know that's a name I've liked for a long time. So yeah, it just, it gelled very, very quickly from that first inception.
0: And then how soon from having the idea did you sit down and start writing? Or did, you, or did you outline the whole thing? I mean, you must have had to outline it forever. I mean, I was thinking, <laughs> didn't you? I was thinking, I how did she keep this straight? You didn't? Oh my gosh. So, and that's, that's
3: like what makes me such a crazy person. I actually had very, very loose notes for a couple of the leaps, And I really, it, it sounds like such an insane thing to wing it on a book like this that requires so much kind of, intricate connections and plotting and I'll tell you revising that was a whole other story I mean I I wrote it quickly and you know had a loose timeline of like what happens just to her chronologically and then what happens to her like to Una's chronology like leap by leap versus consecutive year by year and that's how I sort of kept track of it and then I would have things that some you know Anytime I try to outline a story, when I actually sit down to write it, it takes off and veers in this whole other direction. So, at least half of the initial notes that I had, I ended up kind of discarding because the characters—they just—they have a will of their own, and it just went on its own, kind of in its own directions. And yeah, so I mean, the, the first draft took less than it—it only took seven, uh, seven, eight months, maybe. But then it took much longer than that and many, many, many revisions, including rewriting like a good third of the book, probably, and having writing a whole leap that then did not make it into the final version, writing a new leap that did. And so, um, yeah, I wish I was as organized as some writers I know that can map out the entire story and then adhere to it when they sit down and write. But for me, it's a little bit more chaotic, but I find magic and mad chaos. Well,
0: I mean, whatever you're doing, <laughs> it's working. So don't, you know, you don't, nobody said you had to outline and I didn't mean to imply that you should have. I was just impressed by how many little things you would have had to keep track of between all, like even as a reader, I was like, wait, what, did that happen then? Or had this happened yet? And so, you know, that just that kind of mental, you know, note, yeah, keeping, note keeping.
3: As I went. Oh, for sure. For sure. And then even like the little threads that like that when I would go back and revise and you know okay let's let's include this element kind of throughout the story then it was just a matter of like going back and like tr- like sort of leaving little breadcrumbs and retracing my steps so yeah I mean of course everybody has a different system I it's sometimes I just wish that I was much more kind of organized and regimented in that way because I know that writers who outline really well, they tend to have a much easier time revising. But I mean, I love revising too. I kind of for me it's all a process of discovery. So like you said, whatever works.
0: I wish I was one of those people who could eat whatever they wanted and not gain weight. But I'm just not gonna be one of those people. So like I'm gonna <laughs> take what I have. Do you know what I mean? Like there are so many things I wish that I did differently, but I don't know. This is just who I have become. <laughs> so maybe it's the same type oh, of thing. I feel you. I feel I'm
3: one of those people too. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how much did this timeline dovetail with any of your own experiences? Because I found myself wondering how old you were when I was reading it. And you're obviously not as old as Una. How did you decide when to start it? Like, how did you, did? You, was there an age you wanted her to be at a certain time? Or how did you figure it out?
3: Yeah, so I I wanted, initially, I actually, one of the reasons I set out to write this book, I I thought a lot more of it would take place in the 80s because I feel like I was born 10 years too late. So I made Una older than I was so that she could be a teenager in the eighties. And the way that again, like the best laid plans, as I wrote it, it just turned out that more of her leaps took her to the nineties and you know the and the subsequent decades. So I also wanted to I wanted her to experience kind of a broader range of ages. So I did have to take her up you know, older than, you know, like 12, 13 years older than, than I was, where I could still kind of write to certain experiences of like a certain age, but at the same time, you know, still kind of recapture the different kind of decades of her life and the different moments and kind of the phases of life, but still keep like a personal scope of, um, you know, showing her coming of age as as a woman, really, but also kind of through all of these different kind of bigger milestones in her life.
0: I feel like you used music so much throughout the whole book. Like, I I was like yeah. I was like this author must love music. Do you love music, or was it just a device that you used in the book?
3: For me, I would say like my teens and twenties is where music was like air for me, and I just it, it was such a huge part of my identity and it's such a, a big part of the way that I would connect with other people. And, you know, I would just, I would have friendships form around fans that we love, the clubs that we went to, the music that we danced to. And so for me, it's very much kind of, I, I would say because she starts out as an 18 year old, it made so much sense for, for her to also have that deep connection with music and and have it be such a part of her identity. And it, it wasn't, a conscious effort either it it was just I I, it just sort of came to me sort of out of not out of nowhere but it was just like this is who she is and even like some of the bands that she's into like obviously that we have a lot of overlap in our tastes and you know most of what she loves I love too but at the same time certain things like the fact that her favorite band is Velvet Underground like I don't know where that came from and they're not you know, they're a band I appreciate, but don't listen to it, ton of. But I was like, okay, but this is this is what she's telling me. So I'm just I'm just the note keeper here. Like I just got to get this down and you know share. This is like who
0: she is. No, it's so funny. I just ha- so I interviewed Betsy Johnson earlier today about her memoir, Betsy, a memoir. And I read both of your books in close succession. And in her book, she did all, a lot of the real things that the, that Una did in your book. So she actually, like, married somebody from the Velvet Underground. And, then, and she designed clothes for them. And she, like, sold her clothes at Patricia Field. And then I'm reading your book, and I'm like, this is so crazy. It's like all worlds coming together. Anyway.
3: <laughs> wow. I love those little crossover moments. And I, I love her as a— colorful creative figure too so that's that's awesome so you got
0: to talk. just a random aside but <laughs> so a lot of the themes that you write about are like loss of memory, loss of like having to find yourself again, having to find your path again. And I read in one interview that you attribute this to that sense of not totally belonging being an immigrant as a child. And maybe, correct me if I'm not getting this right, but there was an essay when you said, because you immigrated to America when you were four from Mm -hmm. Soviet Ukraine, and that being straddling two different cultures and speaking Russian and English, you've always felt like a little sense of otherness and that that's how Mm -hmm. the seemed came into the book. So just talk more about that now that I've <laughs> barely been able to say that, right? But. Sure.
3: No, you, you
0: actually got it
3: a hundred percent. You nailed it. No, I, I, I think that there is that feeling of, you know, kind of where, where is it? Do I, you know, where do I belong? You know, like I came from this other culture that's so very much part of my heritage and especially, you know, that, that my, my parents growing up were very, so rooted in and, made sure that I I knew where I came from and still had certain, like, traditions and parts of my culture that remained with me. Uh, And at the same time, of course, you know, I'm learning the language quickly, I'm assimilating, and but I always have that perspective of comparing, like, where I'm from versus where I am, or even, I would say, even more strongly within language, how to express yourself in different languages and just the way that certain words Even to this day, even though my Russian is so rusty, some
1: words just... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites
2: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Moms Don't Have Time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Moms Don't Have Time.
3: will not express what I want to say as well as a specific Russian word will. And it's, it's so strange even to this day that that happens. But I think it's not just a sense of belonging, but it's in a broader sense, it's that search for home. and that. Feeling of kind of being, and it can be, it it can be described as that feeling of belonging. It can be the physical place. It can be that emotional place where you feel at ease with who you are. So I think that's I, I like to explore that in my stories because I feel like we're always looking for something. You know, we never stop. We're never fully formed. We're always evolving. We're always whatever it is that we achieve. We always set new goals or new quests for ourselves. So for me, I kind of encompass that as that feeling of home that, you know, what is it that's, that's missing in our lives and that, you know, what, what kind of sense of completion are we looking for and how are we trying to get about it? So, and, you know, again, it can stem from our identity. It can stem from like our external circumstances and
0: usually my story is a little bit of both. I thought it was so interesting in the book how it was only her mother that you let into the secret, right? Like that her mother knew what was going on, but no one else and how that relationship had to be translated over time.
3: Right. Right. And yeah, then, and to some extent also can be later on uh, because she needed to have one, at least one constant. And, you know, certainly for me, I would say my whole life, my mother has been that for me. And so, There certainly were kind of some parallels. I think it was also an interesting way to explore that mother-daughter-parent-child dynamic where you, you know, both, everybody has something that they can, some wisdom that they can impart. And certainly a parent is the one that has more of that wisdom and the life experiences. But as a child, you know, there are certain times because of her unusual circumstances, Una is older or she has a different sort of wisdom because she's seen the future. She knows what actually happens. So, you know, to use that time travel as a metaphor of kind of what a parent and child can learn from each other and how that can affect their their relationship and have their relationship evolve. Where you know Una is that sulky teenager at point, you know, at, at times in her life, but it'll be jarring for her mother because externally she will be completely different ages and, you know, considerably older. And so to have that, and also just that sense of growing with another person and trying to accommodate their kind of evolution as an individual. That's awesome.
0: So how did you become a writer to begin with? Like, I know this isn't your first book, but I know you worked in publishing, but that's so vague. So how did, like, how did you, when did you know you were a writer and what led you down this path? And all the rest.
3: Oh, I mean I knew I knew at 16 really. I mean probably even before that, you know, I wrote little stories and poems, but I took a creative writing class when I was 16 that completely just it blew my mind. It kind of took me from just oh writing is something I do in my spare time to oh, I have things that I wanna say or I wanna learn how to say things and express myself through this medium and I want to tell stories and you know, I've read I've been a book or my whole life. That but that was when I, I knew I was serious about it. So I was a creative writing major in college and, you know, they don't exactly come knocking down your door when you graduate. Like we're looking for creative writing majors. We've got a nice six figure salary for you full benefits. Please just come write whatever you want. So I kind of drifted for a little bit, not you know, just knew that I had to also develop a career. And that took me from publishing to social media to meeting a really, really wonderful man who said, Hey, you know, if you want to write books, come move to the suburbs and you know, when when I got married to my husband, I left my career in social media and Took on some freelance editorial work, but really focused full time on writing books. And that's when I I could I I admired the writers who are able to have full time careers and families, and or even part time <laughs> careers and families and still write books. Because for me, I am so all in on whatever it is that I'm focused on. So when it was my career, I was all in on what I was doing work wise. And I knew that in order to, like, really write and write to the best of my abilities, I needed to be all in. I needed to have that full time, like, be in my cocoon and create things. And I've very, very fortunately been able to do that for the last five years now. So, yeah, it's been incredible.
0: And so what's coming next? Do you have more book ideas? Are you just going to ride this? I mean, were you, and also were you just so excited when this was picked as a GMA book club pick? Like what, what has this whole thing been like? I don't want to skip forward too fast. What was it like when this actually came out and you got this attention and all the rest?
3: Oh my gosh. I mean, every step of it has been incredible because I mean, it took, I self published my first book and I wrote another book in between that book and Una that I just, that aside and didn't do anything with and so and during the years you know it took four I think four and a half years during that time I saw a lot of writers that I knew you know get agents and editors and book fields and I one writer I knew hit the New York Times bestseller list so I saw how what a tough road that was and how many kind of obstacles you had to surmount, and how tough the odds were so every time I kind of crossed another hurdle. For me, it was just, I, I tried to be very present and grateful about every one of those moments, whether it was getting the agent, whether it was getting that book deal. And so everything on top of that has just been kind of, it just blows my mind on levels that I truly, truly never expected. I mean, when I found out about Good Morning America, it, it was just I always think of this line from my so-called life, it's like a stun gun to your brain. And that's how I felt like, oh my God, like there's been so many moments where I have truth and like, is this real life? Like, no, but really it, have I drifted off to a parallel world or a dream state? Like, is this really my life? And what I've heard from, you know, other authors, especially like during their debut year, the biggest, the biggest issue for them has been that it, it goes by in such a blur they wish that they had time to really stop and enjoy it more and worry about it less and I've always i try tried to keep that in my mind so that every time something wonderful happens whether it's just somebody posting about the book on Instagram or seeing my book on a Times Square billboard that I stop and just really go like wow I'm I feel so lucky and I'm so grateful for this.
0: That's amazing. It's so nice to see like all this hard work rewarded, you know? I mean, not everybody can be in Times Square, but how great to to (laughs) appreciate it so much. And just, I don't know, it's just really awesome.
3: Well, and that was the thing too. I knew that there are no guarantees and and that's, I really tried to kind of remind myself that essentially I'm signing up to be a professional lottery winner. (laughs) And all I can do is like, you know, every book, every story is a ticket. And, you know, you keep, getting piling up those tickets and hope that like something is gonna is gonna break through so yeah i mean i yeah of course it takes hard work and dedication but i will never discount the fact that luck also plays a factor and you know i so fortunate that my numbers were called
0: so does this mean you want to keep playing lottery like are you going to write more books or are you going to just oh yes yes a hundred percent i to go back to your earlier
3: question i have a lot of stories ideas in mind and right now it's just about narrowing down what is it that I I think over the last couple of years I have started parts of I kid you not at least five different books. And one of them is a sequel to Una Out of Order. And funny enough, as much as I don't outline, I do have a loose outline for about three quarters of another Una book. I don't know when that's gonna happen. I know that her story is not over, but there's definitely more that, you know, I want to explore in the universe. At the same time, I also want to write something that is different, that's standalone, you know, kind of explore new characters, new, new places, new, new events. So I think the next couple of months are going to be me really, really kind of going back into that writer cocoon and figuring out like, okay, what are we going to like really, really buckle down and, and develop next? But I'm so excited. And yeah, I, this is like my, my life's work. I feel like this is what I have been put here to do. So the fact that, you know, I'm able to get a readership and have people actually, you know, read and enjoy my work
0: is tremendous. It's awesome. I know you've already included a lot of this just now, but do you have any specific advice for aspiring authors?
3: Well, I I mean, it really, really comes down to tenacity. And, you know, there. however much you think you're going to be rejected, sure, there are some lucky ones that have just the right story at the right time or know the right people and are able to kind of make it through. But you really, it's so few and far between. Most people, they really hustle and they, you know, I, of all the writers I know that have made it and have gotten published, nobody has just kind of slid through. They've all worked so tremendously hard. They've put in the hours. They've revised. I'd say writing is revising more than it is actually drafting. So you need to, however many times you think that you're going to need to revisit that work and tighten it and polish it, double, triple, quadruple it. I mean, and, and get used to people saying no, because it's going to happen. And hundreds of people said no to Una before somebody said yes. I mean, like we're talking over 200 agents turned down earlier versions of the manuscript. And that's what revision and sheer stubbornness can do. You know, you really have to believe in what you're doing. And then I would also say, find that, find your tribe, find that support system of other writers, of friends who will just be there to prop you up because there are going to be moments where you feel like, oh, I like they can't go any further with it. And you can't, you, you can't keep trying. But I always think of this cartoon where it's, it's this man who is digging like with a pickaxe and a mine. And there's like two of them. And the one on top, he's like, just had it. And he's like, that's it. I'm done. I give up. And like, he turns around. And then you see in the next frame, that like, if he just kept like there's like a pile of diamonds like maybe six inches if he kept kind of kept digging so I always think of that that like I can't I can't ever give up because you know that that treasure might just be a little bit further out of reach and I'll never know it's like that's the only kind of ultimate rejection is if you kind of reject that dream yourself and you know and give up on it so Yeah, really, you have to, you have to keep going. And you always have to keep learning too. you know, reading, writing, you know, there's however good you think you are, you can always get better. And however bad you think you are, you can always, you can always get better. So, you know, just really be in it for the long haul and do it for the love. Like, I think everybody has a story in them or stories in them and find the story that only you can tell in a
0: specific way you can tell it. Thank you. That's so awesome. That's great advice. And thank you for your book and for all your time and insights. And thank you. I really appreciate it.
3: Such a pleasure. No, thank you for having me. Of course. appreciate it.
0: No problem. All right. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Peeled Snacks for being a sponsor of this week's episodes. Peeled Snacks, again, discount code ZIBBY15, capital Z, ZIBBY15, uh, for 15% off your purchase for this week only. And go check out the WeFoundTime.com essays. They're so good, and uh, they'll make you laugh and think and feel and, and all the good things. Have a great week. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at Zibby at ZibbyOwens.com.